I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan Heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man Got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues I know Jackman, Johnson, Eastwood, Backman, Wait, Walt, Hanzoos, Nastrake, Jansen, Boys Young, Jammer King, Salvador, Korea, Brewer, Lowe, Pollock, Finley, Turk, Sanya, Buganecki, Jay McKee, McDonald, Mellon, Vichayana, Kavanaugh, Mason, Manny, Stillman, Stephanie, Yakman, Clement. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in year 52, man. So give me a let's go blue. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. I'm Tom Franklin, uh, and this is the this is Blue Notes, your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm going to get it right someday, guys. I'm Tom Franklin, joined by my confidant, Wags, and we're off to a flyer. Aren't we, Wags? Oh, we are off to a great start here on season two. Yo, great. Super professional, aren't we? Super professional broadcasters. I, I forgot my phone, you know, and, you know, I was, you know, it's kind of hard to be a producer and a host at the same time. So I was like, oh, I'm going to grab my phone so we can share this out and, you know, make sure everyone knows that we're live and all that stuff. And I set my headphones down on my laptop and I guess I hit the button or whatever that stops the video from playing. So we are off to. A great start. Of course, if you're watching this later on, uh, this will be uh, uh, edited out. Uh, thank you, Tanner. Uh, we, I, I, you know, the, the the doctor gave me a clean bill of health on that. You know, you know, this year. So, um, everything. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Um, <laughs> by the way, um, you know, just just a big welcome to you. And we're all kind of sitting here in the same position. I think the league. Uh, is nuts right now, Wags, because we're we're waiting on hockey to return. We hear every single day that there's talks. The NHL and NHLPA are talking. That's great. We're talking right now, uh, but we're not going to decide anything. And apparently, neither are the NHL and NHLPA at any time. Uh, so we're going to talk about the return to play here in just a little bit. Uh, first of all, Loving the response to our Jake Neighbors interview. In case you missed, it's available in audio form. We'll release the video version of it on YouTube uh, only this coming Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that link for the video version of that. Uh, by the way, we do have a giveaway this week, courtesy of the NHL shop. No, they're not a sponsor. Or at least they're not anymore. But they accidentally sent me a second New Jersey Devils Taylor Hall jersey. So I ordered one. It was on there. It's like on super clearance on NHLshop.com. And uh, I bought one and they sent me two this week. Why? I guess they're just that eager to get rid of these damn things. <laughs> so you're going to get one, listeners. If you listen to our Jake Neighbors interview this past Thursday, go to Blue Notes Pod right here as it's labeled here. And uh, we have a question for you. Be uh, Answer it and we'll give it away later on this week. But Back to the neighbor's kid. I mean, you know, it's been out for a couple of days 
and uh, it it was a really really solid uh, solid interview. And he's a really solid kid. Oh yeah, he certainly is. Uh, he was very well spoken. You know, eighteen, nineteen years old, and to really have an interview with us and not kind of be like, oh okay, whatever. I mean, he treated it like it was one hundred percent professional, big league kind of thing. Had a lot of great answers, and you know, the the answer to our Twitter question is was a bit of, sur- of a surprise for me as well. I was not expecting his response to that. Yeah. Uh, but he, like I said, super professional, super well-spoken, and a guy that I'm looking forward to being a representative of the St. Louis Blues for a very long time. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, we asked him what his response was when the Blues took him. Uh, let's go ahead and hear his answer. Um, you know, I wasn't too sure. Uh, I had talked to St. Louis a couple times and, and had several meetings with them and um, you know, talked to, uh, you know, a couple of different staff members on the team. So, um, you know, I knew that they had um, high interest in me and that they really liked me as a player and, um, you know, w- were curious on, on who I was as a person. So, um, you know, obviously that's an indicator that, you know, a team's interested and they were slotted at an area that um, was, you know, kind of around where I thought I was going to go. So, um, you know, it was just, I think 26 was definitely the pick we were looking at the most as a, myself and my family was, uh, we thought that they had the most interest. So, you know, I wasn't sh- for sure. Like no one told me that I was going to St. Louis, but, um, you know, definitely thought they were one of the front runners. So there you go. Jake neighbors, uh, newest St. Louis blue, uh, check out his interview wherever you get your podcasts from Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, and again, we'll have the video version of that uh, later on this week. Uh, already got a question from one of our most loyal followers, uh, Luke Widbin. Blue notes or blue yotes? So I got to explain something here before we, we we continue on here. So in the Hockey Podcast Network, we have a Slack that we, you know, chat back and forth on. And I have been given the moniker of Jersey Jesus on the Hockey Podcast Network. And the reason for that is because I have a uh, hockey jersey collection that numbers over 100 at this point. I think I'm at 105, I think. That's not a collection. That's an obsession. Well, it's a hobby, okay? You know, know, some people collect stamps. Some people collect coins. I collect hockey. Some people collect expensive paintings. I can't afford expensive paintings, so I I, I acquire works of art. Like this reverse retro, a truly, truly quality reverse retro, unlike the blues. Oh boy. This is this is art here, ladies and gentlemen. So yes, this was this this was the first of a couple re- reverse retro pickups. And it is St. Louis related, Luke, because it is I'll go and show the sleeve here. It is a number nine, and number nine on Arizona is Clayton Keller. Uh, the pride of Swansea, Illinois. So there we go. Um, yeah, wag, don't be a snob. Is that is that to me or to or? Mm, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna say today. I'm gonna say it's directed at you because 105 jerseys. That that's that's some serious coin that you're dropping. It's not like it, you're buying. You know, it's not like I, you're collecting books. Well, besides these reverse retros, I have another policy: don't ever buy jerseys at retail. You can find cheap, cheap jerseys every basically if you just know where to look. So that's where I got my 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 pickups from. I don't ever I don't mess with like game used jerseys. Game used jerseys can be just downright insane. I mean, we're talking six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred. I would never ever spend that much money on a jersey. For me, it is just not worth it. But you know, I love hockey, and this is this is a way that I can enjoy the game. Um, 
And uh, clarification, she's just jealous. So, you know, uh, I appreciate that, Tanner. And yes, by the way, it does. You're right, Wags. This this does take a financial bite to to have. But uh, uh, that's why I do public address. That is why I basically have no life because I'm always doing something else on the side besides my radio job to afford jerseys, among other things. So there we go. Side hustles are the way to go. That's right. That is right. Uh, And speaking of side hustles, that's a very uh, nice uh, segue there, because uh, we want to wish a happy birthday to Blues Public Address announcer Tom Calhoun. I got that notification on Facebook today. Uh, It is his birthday as we are recording this. And it's funny, uh, funny we mentioned Mr. Calhoun, because, well, he's our guest for this Thursday episode of Blue Notes. We got the longtime voice of the Blues. When you go to a game, he is the one that is always telling you to make some noise tonight. Tom Calhoun, the voice of my youth, and I am so excited, Wags. Oh, it's incredible. We actually got a chance to interview him on Crunch Time over the summer, uh, You know, kind of right around the time where the, the league was on break. And just a, a great guy, a great interview. He's the same on camera as you would expect him to be off camera and in the booth calling, you know, the, the PA stuff for the blues. He, he's just a great guy and a lot of fun. And he's also a guy that does cameo and mm-hmm. he does it for a good reason too. We'll talk to him a little bit about that as well. Uh, it's a great cause that he uh, supports with his cameo uh, stuff. So we'll definitely talk to him about that uh, on our Thursday interview. And he's also an audiobook narrator as well. So uh, check out some of his stuff there. Uh, glad that you're looking forward to uh, uh, Calhoun coming on. Uh, we'll be recording with him tomorrow. So if you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the uh, chat wherever you're listening on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitch. We are streaming live at those outlets. Um, of course, if you have a question for uh, Tom, just get us that question before 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And we will uh, definitely relay it to him. We got some uh, good listener response last week for our Jake Neighbors interview. So we want to get some of your uh, listener questions as well. Uh, Speaking of side hustles, a couple of us picked up a couple of hockey-related side hustles this week. Uh, I have joined uh, Last Word on Hockey as a uh, hockey writer, primarily blues, but also some NHL news as well thank you very much and of course if you've heard of last word on hockey before and may not have gone to the site well gabriel foley a friend of our program is uh, one of like the managing editors on uh, last word on hockey and uh, he encouraged me to join and i have indeed done just that and in fact my first article already posted on saturday uh talking about life after petrangelo for the blues defense and kind of seeing where things stand and how the Blues will fill the gap that is left behind by Petrangelo. Hint, it'll take a village. But, you know, the Blues have the pieces in place where, where they can do that. So check that out on Last Word on Hockey. Uh, just search for it on Google. It's, it's Last Word on Sports. And then you can just click on Hockey. It'll be uh, towards the top on the front page. Also, our friend Guy the Hawaii Blues fan picked up a uh, side hustle himself. He's starting to write for... Uh, Gateway City Sports, which is a uh, a new outlet, uh, new and up and coming outlet for uh, St. Louis related sports. Uh, And his first article came out today. Uh, And it's kind of a nice, heartfelt article about what got him into uh, the game of hockey and how hockey kind of, uh, you know, kept him uh, kept him well during his time in the Navy. He had some challenging times uh, in the military and hockey was one of the things that 
um, you know, kind of kept him, you know, kept him going. So uh, check that out at Gateway City Sports. Uh, very easy to find there. He's also going to be doing a segment for them, similar to the Aloha commentaries he does for us. So uh, stick taps go out to uh, Guy for that. And uh, glad to see him making his way in the St. Louis media world. Next, uh, some sadder news. Um, we have to express our condolences to uh, Blues GM Doug Armstrong, as Guy will later on in his Aloha commentary as well. His father, Neil Armstrong, not the astronaut, but his, uh, his father, passed away early Sunday morning. Uh, Neil worked as an NHL linesman and officiated over 1,700 regular season games before retiring in 1978. He was a Hockey Hall of Famer. He was inducted in 1991. And he did not walk on the moon, but he still sounds like an extraordinary human being, Wags. Oh, most certainly. I mean, the fact that he started officiating at the age of 24. I mean, this is a guy that played hockey, played minor league hockey in Ontario, didn't essentially make it, and eventually made the decision at an early age that officiating was the way to go for him. And he became an Ironman in the officiating world, and like you said, a Hockey Hall of Famer as an official. That's that's a huge huge accomplishment and something that you want to congratulate. And like you said, just a great man. And he spawned a pretty badass general manager in Doug Armstrong too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Hockey saved, uh, hockey saved Tanner uh, Leanne's life as well. So uh, the heart goes out for the uh, army uh, family there. Um, no other real blues news going on. Vince Dunn still a restricted free agent, but uh, there's been a lot of chatter this week about news that might result in us talking about actual hockey games soon, which what? we are, we are, I know, right. I, I mean, this, this, this isn't just a myth there. There is a, a sport called hockey out there and players actually play the game on real ice with real jerseys and a real puck. It, it's real guys. The truth is out there. Okay. There is hockey, you know, it, it just it, this has been a painful offseason just because of everything that's going on, of course. Um, and so I did some, you know, was doing some research earlier and I uh, just did a Google search for NHL in 2021. And I feel that these three headlines that popped up on Google accurately reflect the stance of where the 2021 NHL hockey season is right now. Uh, so the first one is. Possible start date for 2021 NHL season. Ongoing talks between NHL and NHLPA. That's factual. Reports. NHL proposes mid-January start for 2020-21 season. Big hurdles remain. That's actually from NBC Sports, even though if you look it up on Google, it just says NHL. So it looks like the NHL is reporting on their own report. <laughs> and uh, and then finally from the Denver Post, uh, start of NHL season nowhere in sight. And... <laughs> That is where things stand right now with the NHL and the NHLPA. But other highlights from that NBC Sports report, they're talking about a possible 56-game season with a mid-January start. January 2nd could be could instead become a target start date for training camps. LeBron also notes that the NHL would prefer to end the season by early July. Most obviously, that would avoid conflicting with the Summer Olympics but it would also give the NHL a better chance to hold a typical schedule for 2021-22, a full 82-game slate in October start, just like the good old days of uh, last year. Um, by the way, friend of the program, Jim Thomas, with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reports that the Blues have begun informal skates. So what do you make of all this non-news, Wags? Uh, I make 
and out to be that no one knows what the hell's going on because mm-hmm. even Court had something completely different. Start of the season soon, maybe coming later. No clue as to when the season starts. It it, it just gives you it's a microcosm of what this offseason is, is that some people are optimistic, some people are pessimistic, and some people fall right in between and go, I don't know what the hell's going on. So I'm I'm just shocked that you know a league like the NBA was able to kind of come together in a quick enough time span to get things started before Christmas. And yet the NHL once again proves that there's no cohesion between the owners and the players because they, they just, they can't figure out how to make this work. You know, they all say they want to play, but they're not doing anything to advance us to a point where they can play, not even preliminarily play. There's nothing going on. It seems like one day they're talking one day. They're not talking. It's, it's, it's frustrating because we've had so much success over the last well, four or five years, especially since the last lockout. And now here we are sitting here threatening to almost have another semi lockout because we can't agree on things. And of course, you know, the NHL is like the most secretive league in the, in, in the entire world. I mean, like you need like top secret or better clearance just to find out if a, you know, if a player's got an arm injury or not, you know, it, it's, it's that secretive. And that's, that's also how the, the NHL brass in Toronto works as well. You just, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a tweet, like a daily tweet, like from a Pierre LeBron or a Bob McKenzie or an Elliot Friedman, someone like that that the two sides are talking they're talking but uh they 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 wouldn't we don't know what they're actually saying though we don't have the uh kgb authorization to uh to release that info for you and all this secrecy and all of this kind of you know static if you will just makes the wait even more painful and uh uh yeah this is this is definitely you know the league this time here causing this it's 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 painful wax it is because like I said, we've seen such great success over the last few years, not to mention the fact that we're going to have Seattle entering in to the next season, the 21, 22 season. And if you don't have any momentum going forward from a, even a shortened season, what's that going to do for the excitement level of Seattle and, and for the NHL as a whole? Oh, don't forget. They also had to negotiate a new TV deal as well. So I mean, <laughs> we're basically, they're basically shooting themselves in the foot yeah, we have sent our own secret yeah. agent. We have we have sent our own secret agent, uh, the Hawaii Blues fan, and uh, he has a secret clearance, and he still can't get anything. I mean, this is this is deep, man. This is this is deep state stuff here. And, and, and you know what they're talking about? You know, you get the the reports. The NHL and the NHLPA are talking. Yeah, they're talking. They're exchanging what they're having for dinner. Uh, that that's probably what it is. It's like, oh, Gary Bettman had you know roasted child for dinner, and you know, <laughs> wait, what? What? Come what? on, Gary, Gary Bettman's like a vampire or something. The dude is Roasted just, child? I mean, that that's why you got to stay secretive. He feeds, come on. He's, he he totally feeds a, on the soul of children. He totally fries that kid, man. That's <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, got 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 to get the hot oil going. And oh. All right, man. Weird. This is what no hockey is doing to us, guys. I mean, it's we're talking to cannibals. Apparently. Apparently so. Um. So, yeah, you kind of hit on a good point before that about, you know, the Seattle Kraken coming into the league next year. They need time to do the that expansion draft. The uh, Kraken themselves need time to sign their own free agents, kind of get their roster in order. Um, you know, they need time to uh, work out a deal with Doug Armstrong to take Justin Falk off our hands. I mean, this all takes time, guys. It all takes time. Um, and the guy also notes that the TV deal is more important than the league starting because the TV deal's 
could get the league starting. And that's true. We've, uh, you know, we've heard ESPN's kind of thrown their hat back into the ring for that. And uh, uh, would be nice to see some uh, ESPN NHL two night, you know, the number two night and that classic ESPN NHL music, which best intro music for any network, any sport, period. Bar none. Yep. It was it was it, it's it's been my ringtone on more than one occasion is is it's, quality. It's, Still no, it's still no NHL '94, but it is fair. Fair. Pair NHL '94 and the NHL Tonight music as a, as a tandem, and mm. forget about it. I'm done. An eight bit version of the ESPN music would would be Ooh. would be quality. That would be yeah, that that would. would be quality. Someone needs to make this happen. Uh, Luke Whippen, excuse me. Um, <laughs> what uh, do you think? By the way, th- this had kind of uh, everyone at KMOX where I work uh, talking this week, but. Uh, What do you think of the idea of teams playing more outdoor games in order to uh, get fans in the stands? You think that's a good idea? Uh, I'd love for that to happen, but I don't see it being feasible. I mean, you Mm -hmm. saw, you see everything that goes into just doing the winter classic um, and all the hoopla that goes around that and the, the, you know, traveling ice. Yeah. All the prep. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have to sit there and think, okay, well, when you're at the, if you've been to a winter classic, you've been to an outdoor game, you realize, yeah, the fans are way far away from the ice. Yep. So the, the one-time events, yeah, they get a lot of pub, they get tickets sold out, but what is that actually going to do when, if, if it's just a normal game? I mean, I exactly. think get fans, but it's not yeah. going to be like you would expect. So at least for the in the Blues case, they have the Centene Arena, which has an outdoor rink with closer stands that might be a good direction to go where they can have an outdoor game but they can still have the fans close and in proximity to the rink it still wouldn't be a ton of fans but it would still be fans that would be a direction i think they might be able to go yeah. but there's not a lot of cities that have that sort of setup as well so it would make it difficult league-wide for that to happen now if it worked out to where maybe the blues hosted a bubble of sorts with five or six teams and they all played on that rink. Maybe there's a little bit of a, a nugget of an idea as well. There, there is. And I, you can even go like to this length, like where Elias Pedersen and some other Canucks, I saw a special feature in the New York times where they were all helicoptered up to this like remote, you know, part in the mountains. And, you know, there was this like sheet of ice that was like, you know, completely untouched. You know, you can only get there by helicopter and they played on it. It was beautiful. I mean, you can do some of that weird stuff too, as well. Like real true, you know, Canadian roots hockey there. Um, at least, you know, as long as the weather cooperates, which, you know, as you know, in, you know, January and February, the weather does not always cooperate in British Columbia. So yeah. you can't, so you can't do that. But the, the, and then of course, like if you're Tampa and you're, or if you're Florida, I mean, you know, if you're playing outdoor hockey in June, it's going to be roller hockey because it's not going to be ice hockey. Um, and, and then no, roller hockey is not coming to the NHL. Sorry. So that, that, that's out. Um, oh, my and, dreams are dashed. Yes. Yeah, well, Pat Maroon's dreams are dashed. I mean, he's in Tampa. Yeah. I mean, he dominated roller hockey in St. Louis. I mean, this, this could be how he becomes a superstar in his late, in his late career. But you know, maybe, maybe he's angling for that. Who knows? Yeah, um, what they, need to, what they need to do is you remember the, the old days, the roller hockey on ESPN, how they had yeah. the, the ramps behind the net. They need yes. to sell that in the NHL. 
Yeah, it's like Long Beach. Yep. 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 I remember those. I remember those good times. Um, But my main issue with playing outdoor games as a way to get fans in the stands and, you know, kind of as a gimmick is that it it cheapens the whole idea for me. You know, like if we're going to have, if you're going to have like, let's just say Minnesota, for instance, decides to play, you know, you know, outdoor games until April. I mean, you're probably talking about, you know, 15 to 20 home games there. And then you're going to have a winter classic next year. And it's like, well, that's not so special because the wild just played a bunch of outdoor games and we can't even see the rink because we're so far away. So it's kind of like, this is stupid. I'm, I don't think the, I don't think fans would go that far, but it's just, it's a way to cheapen the value of future winter classics. So they would be sacrificing future, you know, interest for immediate gain. It just, yeah. it, it wouldn't work. Yeah, 100% in agreement. I mean, you look forward to the Winter Classic on New Year's Day because it's a once a year kind of event. Yes, you've got a couple of the, you know, the Stadium Series games, but the Winter Classic is a unique event. If you're having at, you know, 15 to 20 games in, you know, four or five different cities to to play this year, mm-hmm. next year it's just like, oh, well, we we got a chance to go to a game. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that it's going to sell out? It probably will still sell out, but the like you said it cheapens the event itself well and you know if, if we need to ha- uh, get an idea of how this would feel like just ask chicago blackhawks fans because they're in every outdoor game ever so they've got to be bored with them by now um that means you have to talk to a blackhawks fan though so uh uh I'd, I'd rather punch one uh no I, I i never wanted to punch a blackhawks fan you know maybe just maybe just slap them you know a little <laughs> bit i've i bruins fans i've wanted to punch canucks fans i've wanted to punch Preds fans, I wanted to burn down their meth lab, but you know, but but Blackhawks fans, I don't know. I, I've never, I've never really ran into a truly bad one. Yeah, I could say did Red Wings fan. I don't know if you if you followed St. Louis Game Time for all, but they had punch a Red Wings fa- fan in the face day. <laughs> and I remember that. And up until they left for the Eastern Conference, it was like, yeah, I cannot wait for punch a Red Wings fan in the face day. It's so perfect. But yeah, I guess with the Hawks. I they there there are a lot of apathetic fans, you know. You've got mm-hmm. you got some diehard fans, but it's a lot of bandwagon fans. And yeah, granted, I, I think every team has that. I mean, obviously with the blues, there's been a ton of bandwagon fans that have jumped on here in the last two years. Every team has it, but it just seems like the Hawks they lost a lot of that legacy in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. that you know you don't have those hardcore lifelong fans anymore. That you know, a team like the blues continues to have because they had that sustained success through the 90s and early 2000s yes we had our bit of the doldrums as well but it was shorter and you still had those lifelong connections where it feels like the hawks they had they had a great generation of fans and then it all went away and they're starting to build it back up a little bit but it's it's there's just no connection between the past and the present that really makes it feel like they have you know, fans that you can hate in a sense. And, and there's, and that's a big disconnect. And that's kind of why, you know, Hawks fans nowadays are kind of, eh, you know, at least for me anyway, guy points out that he thinks that Cubs fans are the worst. And I was just going to make the point that, you know, the cards and Cubs have a rivalry where, you know, it's not like a blood hate rivalry. It is, you know, I mean, there's, there, there is obvious, it's obviously a rivalry and it's obviously geographical in nature. And there's also history behind it as well. But, you know, 
I think a lot of Cards fans and Cubs fans can tolerate each other, at least for a while, probably because they're each drinking Bush and Old Style, respectively, enough of which to where they're probably numb by the time the fifth inning comes around anyway, and every argument just evolves into what's better, Bush or Old Style. Um, you know, but it, it's, 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 I've, I've never, re- I mean, I don't like the Cubs either, but I've never had a real blood hate for the Cubs. I dated a Cubs fan once. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. Um, well, and, and obviously you say that in past tense because, you know, you obviously don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. No, <laughs> no. Good, good move. Good move for, for, for your own sanity, for your own sanity. It would have been, it would have been tough. Yes. Yes, it would have. All right. Well, let's go and take a quick little break. When we come back, the Athletics' Jeremy Rutherford unveiled a Blues fan survey this week, and he asked 17 questions that address the burning issues for the Blues this upcoming season, whenever there is one, of course. So uh, I thought that'd be you know good to run down and uh, kind of you know hit each issue one by one here. We'll do that after we highlight one of our newest podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello and welcome. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player and this is the Life After Hockey podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. And until then, keep going and enjoy your life. By the way, before we get to the uh, fan survey wags, we, we, we got to talk a little bit more about this, uh, this part that he kind of left us hanging on here. And that is you dating a Cubs fan here. Guy uh, who is watching, we'll get to his Aloha commentary just in a few minutes. Uh, you just lost some cred with Guy. I, I mean, you know, we all make mistakes in our lives. We all go through periods of of just utter despair. And at times you just want to cling to something. And uh, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a dark, dark time in my life. Did you think you could save her? Did you think you could convert? I was her? trying. I was trying to turn her. I was I was trying to turn her into the cards fan. And it was, you know, just not meant to be. I, I, I like to try and save people from themselves. And it just it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, that's, a total, that's, that's that's just a total absolute lie i mean it, it her being a cubs fan had nothing to do with it uh we we both enjoyed sports uh it, it was it was a good relationship uh it just didn't it just didn't uh work out and you know now now i get to make oh no not 15 no uh-oh uh not not a 15 oh no been a 15 i thought i thought it said been 15 i was like whoa guy Okay, no, 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 no. Wow. We're not doing that Wow. No. We're not doing that. I think he's talking about on a scale of one to ten. Yeah, one to ten. Hey, you know what? She was she was good for me. Uh that's that's it came along at the right time in my life, just didn't work out, you know. And you can have you can you can have opposing views in a relationship, I think, and as long as you respect the other person's views, and that's what we had. We had a good respectful relationship. I respected her views on the Cubs and she respected my views on the Cardinals. So it, it you know, it, it, it is what it is. 
There you go. Why, girls, why aren't you dating this guy? I mean, for real. I mean, this guy, he has tolerance. You know, I mean, if you come with baggage, he will deal with it. You know, I mean, he's he, date wags someone, please. <laughs> there we go. We're going to, you know what we have? To, yeah, we're just going to start a, a, a new segment. It's called Date Wags. And every week we'll highlight another amazing quality of me. <laughs> yeah, make sure you like, uh, subscribe and follow and swipe right, you know, on, on, on wags for sure. I think that's the way you do it if you want to keep a guy, right? Sure. I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever you, been swiped right on. <laughs> it's been it's been it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, let's get to the business at hand here. Jeremy Rutherford's Blues Fan Survey, and uh, he has uh, seventeen questions that he's asking fans uh, this week on the Athletic, and uh, he's got the results posted uh, here. So let's go and run down each of these one by one here because they kind of uh, hit on you know a few good subjects here and. If you have a comment you know feel free to drop it into the facebook or youtube comments section or twitch if you're listening on twitch um, and we will uh, go ahead and relay those on the air here uh first question how concerned are you about the blues first round playoff loss to vancouver now all these have a little over 1200 responses at the time of our recording here uh 50.9 say they're somewhat concerned 43.9 say they're not at all concerned and a small sliver, I can't figure, oh, here it is, uh, 5.2% say they are very concerned. So uh, where do you stand on this, Wags? Uh, I'm in the somewhat concerned, and it's only because Petrangelo's not here anymore. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing. That's That's the piece that comes out of it is I wasn't concerned with the team itself because they all had to deal with what was going on. Uh, they were coming off of winning a Stanley Cup. Every team goes through a, a you know a, a time where they fall down. Uh, the Blues didn't really have a whole lot of that during the regular season. They were tops in the NHL, and yes, the little COVID break kind of put everybody on the same page. Everybody got yeah. rest. I still think there was some sort of you know just a little bit of a, re- a relapse there with the Blues, and they just they thought they could turn it on and. They were unable to. They thought they had Tarasenko back at full strength. They lost him, but they played well without him during the regular season. So I just I'm not I'm not at all concerned uh, as as much as people think they should be. Yeah, they, they've got a great team. Um, I think where where the somewhat concern comes into play is you still aren't 100 percent sure what you have in Jordan Bennington. Uh, and, and this is really more so about the first round playoff loss more than anything else. I just think Vancouver was, was hungrier. You know, they came into it. They were a young team. They were a team that was the underdog going up against the Stanley cup champions. They just wanted it a little bit more. And the blues are an older team. They had family. They're away from their family. These younger kids in Vancouver didn't necessarily have that. It just it seemed like a perfect storm for Vancouver to kind of win this series, and they had a they had a goalie in a uh, you know in a contract year, and you you see what happens in those instances as well. So I'm That's not right. at all concerned about about the playoff loss. Uh, I think this team's going to come back out bigger and better than ever uh, whenever we see a new season. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm also in the somewhat concerned category, and it's it's good to know that there's you know mostly rational Blues fans about this. Only five percent say that the sky is falling, which I feel is low compared to past years. I mean, Blues fans can be a very pessimistic bunch in general. Um, but I mean, to your point, I thought the Canucks just came out and punched the Blues in the mouth. Literally, I mean, they just had that kind of a mentality. 
Um, they probably smelled blood because the blues were coming out kind of sluggish and slow. Maybe it was because of the COVID cases that were on the team. You know, Doug Armstrong did confirm there were COVID cases. We don't know who, but we all have our suspects. Um, and you know, there were some key players that were affected by that. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's, it was a speed bump and it was, you know, all things, this was a weird playoffs because it was, you know, all things were equal. You know, they had the rest, you know, they got their star players, you know, rested up, but it felt like the blues just, you know, had the wheels fall off of them just as soon as the playoffs got going there because you had Tarasenko going down again. And, you know, you're a hockey player yourself, Wax, and you've played hockey. When the best player on your team goes down, that is demoralizing for the rest of uh, of your team. I mean, not just because you have to step up because this is your leader. This is your guy that is, you know, you know, helping you and you know, directly helping influencing where you are in the standings. And, uh, you know, while t- the Blues are filled with good players, Tarasenko, you know, might have might be the most talented of them all. So I think that also had a negative impact on the team wags. Oh, most definitely. I mean, your psyche just completely changes when your superstar player who you thought is 100% back and ready to go goes down really with, once again, a seemingly harmless sort of injury. You know, you didn't really see anything happen to him. And kind of to your point about, you know, the players having some of them having COVID too. We've seen this in the NFL. We've seen this in a couple of other leagues where these guys, they come down, they had the virus outbreaks. As soon as they are cleared to play, that first week or so, they're they're on it. They're playing. They're hustling. Mm-hmm. They're they're good. You know, teams are winning. But then two, three, four weeks down the road, things start to catch up with them, and they look sluggish. They're not responding well. Their conditioning is off. Obviously, there's there's lung issues that go along with uh, you know COVID nineteen as well. So th- this team had that happen right around the time training camp started. Well four or five weeks down the road, guess what? You're in the bubble all of a sudden. Yes, you may not have COVID, but you got the after effects. And I think mm-hmm. you could see that being the case as to why this team came out sluggish and never really seemed to be on the same page. Add into that, losing your superstar player, it, it, it was doomed from the beginning. Yeah, definitely a recipe for uh, the opposite of success. That's for sure. Uh, next uh, question. What was the Blues' main problem in the postseason was it trouble adjusting the bubble life? Unmotivated after winning the cup in 2019, thought they could turn it on and were wrong, or just flat out did not play well enough. Uh, over 50% was thought they could turn it on and were wrong. 29% were saying just didn't play well enough. 16% said trouble adjusting the bubble life, which we had our own Jim Thomas on talking about that, and uh, he, I, I don't, I don't think he was in that camp. Let's just say that. And uh, and then unmotivated after winning the cup in 2019. Again, there's those, you know, crazy blues fans. They're 4.7% saying uh, they were just flat out unmotivated, which is, you know, players are always going to be motivated to play their best, you know, for the next contract. So, you know, I think that's a little silly. Um, where do you stand on that, Wags? I, I'm more in the just didn't play well enough category. I, I, I can see the argument of the thinking they could turn it on and we're wrong. Um, yeah. But I, I just I just don't think they played well enough. Uh, you saw it, you know, early on the goaltending was great and the offense just couldn't do anything. But then when the offense started to score, the defense and goalies couldn't stop the puck. So it just seemed like it just couldn't be put together that they they just weren't playing well enough in stretches that you were confident. Even in that game against Colorado, I think the last uh, round robin game or the second round robin game where they ended up losing in the last second. Even though the Blues were, were 
leading that game at at most of that most of the time of that, you still were like, "Oh, this yeah. doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like this Blues team." And it's it wasn't so much about them turning it on. I think it just they just did not play well enough. And and you saw that against Vancouver, they could they did turn it on, and mm-hmm. they did dominate Vancouver in some of those games. It just wasn't enough to overcome what they had already put themselves in. Yeah, and exactly right. And 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 we we talked about the reasons in the last question. I mean, it was a combination of things, but in the end, they just did not play well enough. They did not rise up to the occasion, and uh, that's why they got bounced. And that was very evident, even at the time we were watching all those late night games uh, that you know we had to stay up and watch. I mean, you know, it was just obvious they just were not playing well enough. Period. Um, next question: uh, Did the Blues have a good off season? Um, and this one's pretty divided here. Uh, 43% say yes. 41% say not sure. 15% say no. That's so surprising. you're, yeah, a little, you know, I guess, I, I guess maybe those 15% are the Petrangelo supporters. That's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of guessing here. See, um, I was thinking the no would be higher. I honestly would. Oh, really? Yeah. I really thought people would be really down on not signing Petrangelo. I really did. I thought a lot of people would have thought that he was the key piece going forward. And then the fact that the blues traded Jake Allen to kind of set up a re-signing of Petrangelo. So the fact that they got rid of a a backup that was proven and they didn't re-sign their captain, I thought you would have had a lot more people saying no. Yeah, definitely. And I put myself in the not sure category. I mean, I, I'm leaning towards yes at this point because I thought the Krug signing was pretty smart. Um, Clifford is a guy that I think is going to be good for the bottom six. Um, and the fact that they didn't you know, go out and do anything too crazy because the team has depth. I mean, I thought it was smart in some instances to not pull the trigger on a guy like, for instance, there are still fans thinking that the Blues should sign Mike Hoffman, which we'll kind of we'll kind of talk about that a little later on. But I think I think it's good that the Blues uh, didn't just run out and get someone like that. So uh, I'm definitely I'm going to say the not sure category, also because the Blues have not resigned Vince Dunn yet. So they need to. I mean, I have a feeling this is a situation where uh, the Blues might have a deal with him. They just can't announce it because. Um, the Blues have like no cap money as it stands now, but when they put Steen and Tarasenko on, you know, LTIR, then they'll have the money. So, yeah, that makes sense because no other team has jumped in and said, Oh, you guys haven't signed him yet. Uh, yeah, let's get a puck moving defenseman that can play offense, uh, into our team. Why exactly? Why no one jumped on and is is a bit surprising if, if they don't have a deal with the Blues. But then again, no one's jumped on Matthew Barzal yet, and he's a restricted free agent. He's out there for anyone to sign to an offer sheet. I think it's just simply the COVID cap, really. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that could be. Mm. Uh, by the way, I would love Matthew Barzal. In a oh, yeah. Totally. But that's, that's, that's never going to happen. Yeah, no. I'd, I'd buy that jersey in a heartbeat. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get the, don't get the uh, Islanders really reverse did. retro because that's really it. Did. Theirs is just as bad as the Blues. So, um, oh. yeah, yeah. Sorry, had to do it. Had to do it. Uh, did the general, did the Blues general manager Doug Armstrong make the right decision in trading Jake Allen? This was one that I thought the response was going to be pretty obvious on, and um, you know the obvious response is obvious. Uh, yes, they needed to capitalize on his value and clear salary cap room. Ninety percent said yes. 
Uh, and then uh, 9.6% saying, no, they need a solid backup and the move will backfire. Now, if you had told me, Wax, before this past season that you'd have almost 10% of Blues fans in a poll of over 1,200 responses saying, no, don't go, Jake Allen, don't go, I, I, I would have thought you were loopy and crazy and not someone worth talking to. But uh, here we are. I mean, what, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? And I guess uh, Jake Allen did some good stuff lately. But see, here's another one that this is another surprise for me because he had a great season last year. And we've seen in years past that when Jake Allen has a challenger, he rises up. You know, when Halak was, well, not Halak, but when Elliot was here, when Hutton was here, those are some of Jake Allen's best seasons. When he had the opportunity to run with it, that's when he faltered. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jordan Bennington comes in and all of a sudden Jake Allen, the second half of 2019 was pretty good. And now we're sitting here. If you would have told me, if you would have asked me this question and you would also add in the caveat that the blues re-signed Alex Petrangelo, mm-hmm. I would have said, he made the right decision. Capitalize on it. Get the picks. You got your captain. All good. Your defense is still very, very solid. You can kind of take a little bit of a, of a question mark in the goaltending area. But with the way it's panned out, you've essentially, we think, may have made your defense worse. And now your goaltending is two question marks. Yes, Jordan yeah. Bennington is a Stanley Cup winning goaltender, but... Everything kind of went a little bit up last year. Goals against save percentage went down a little bit. Now you've got Vilja Husso, who's never played in an NHL game before as your primary backup. So you've weakened your defense. Not saying that the defense is going to be bad. I think they're going to be better than most people expect. But we talked in the past about, well, now you got Colton Pareko at the top. Is he ready for that? Do you move Scandella up with him because they played very well? Well, Scandella isn't necessarily a top a, a top pairing guy. No. So now now you got to put Krug up there. Well, Krug is definitely a good defender, but still not all that great. Then you got Falk. Do you put him with Scandella? Does Scandella work with Falk? Where does Scott Perunovic fit in? Does Robert Bortuzzo play more? I mean, there's a lot of question marks on that defense that makes you go, oh, I'm a little a little nervous about that. And if you had Jake Allen back there, at least you could say. You've got Jordan Bennington, and if he falters, you have a solid backup, someone that can come in with competition and play well. You don't have that now. So now the entire back end of that team is a little scary. So I was a little surprised that it's just 10%. That yeah, I think it was a mistake. Well, you know, and, and and the issue here is that, yes, the Blues have some big question marks in goal now because you I mean, as you pointed out, Bennington, you know, kind of up and down this year, some questions as to whether he can be the number one guy or at least carry a number one guy's load, if you will. Um, you know, Puso never played an NHL game. Uh, John Gillies, who they signed as kind of the veteran backup, per se, he has 12 games in the NHL. It kind of makes me wonder, and, you know, you kind of brought up Perunovic as well, you know, is, you know, one of the things that people have been talking about is the potential for a taxi squad, you know, in the NHL, where it's kind of like baseball, where, you know, instead of having like a full-fledged, you know, team in the AHL, you know, you carry a few extra players that are available, like six or seven extra players that are available just like for COVID reasons or, you know, for injury reasons. And, you know, if the if the Blues are given access to that kind of a taxi squad, the, is this the way Scott Brunovich gets NHL time in his first year? Is this the way Nico McCullough gets NHL time in his first year? Uh, is this the way, like, maybe like a younger forward, like a Clem Costin, for instance? Is this how he gets time? And, you know, the other question I would have getting back to, you know, the Blues goaltending situation is, 
you still have veteran guys out there like Jimmy Howard and uh, uh, Craig Anderson. I mean, if the Blues are given a taxi squad, do you sign one of them to be on that taxi squad and roll with three goalies, you know, into the regular season? I mean, remember, you know, back in the day in the first season, it wasn't just Plant and Hall. You know, there was also uh, Eddie Beers as well as as a goaltender um, that would, you know, spell one of the two. So they had three, you know, the whole idea of having three goalies on an NHL roster, it's not a new concept. It's not a radical concept. And if there is that extra space, I would think the Blues would be a candidate to have a a veteran like that under taxi squad. Two points off of that. Those goaltenders were older and more prone to to breaking down. True. Um, and if there is a taxi squad, yeah, I think you definitely need to have that mindset of, of having that goaltender being able to, to come in and play. Uh, and the other part of that, and that has to do with the taxi squad, is, is with Perunovic. Do you really want to start his clock putting him on the taxi squad? That's true. If you're, you're going to have Perunovic and you're going to start his clock, he damn well better be on this team playing a majority of the games. There, there's no reason for him to be a taxi squad player. If anything, McColl is a guy that can be a taxi squad player. Uh, you know, a guy like Jake Wallman could be a taxi squad player. Hell, even put Gunnarsson or Bortuzzo on that taxi squad. That that give Perunovic the chance and and the ice time if you're going to start his clock. That that's the way I kind of see it. But would will he get that time in Springfield? Though is a question because I mean, there's so many questions with COVID and whether the AHL will even go forward. You know, like ECA, ECHL looks like they might not, they may they might not have a season. Because you have teams that are dropping out left and right. They just had three more dropouts today. And you're gonna um, have to really come down to see what, what the return to play agreement is. I mean, if, yeah. if you're gonna sit there, if the return to play agreement says, look, you can have a taxi squad, and if they play in less than what well, it's it's nine games, right? For some of these kids yeah. before their clock starts. Let's say expand that. Say if they play in less than 12 games, their clock doesn't start. It gives you maybe what a third of the season. Yeah, about tw- about a, between a quarter and a third. Yeah, yeah, a quarter and a third of the season gives you that ability to use those guys sparingly without starting their clock, but it also allows them to get that playing time. If they did something sort of like that in yeah. the return to play agreement, that might be a way to get some of these young kids the ability to play if there's no AHL, ECHL, or any of those other seasons, but also not essentially affect their clock when it comes to the way management perceives things. And, and it might, and it would be a better alternative for a guy like Perunovic than, you know, going up to him and saying, Hey, there's no leagues in North America that'll take you right now. Uh, how do you like China? Cause Kunlun is looking for a defenseman, you know, you know, I mean, they uh, is already playing with Kunlun. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. But I, I, I that's not an ideal situation. I, and especially for a guy like Perunovic. So, uh, time will tell on that for sure. Um, were you okay with Armstrong not meeting Alex Petrangelo's contract criteria and moving on without him? And again, this is like a new blues fan base here that the, the, there's very little cynicism in these responses because 85% said yes. 15% said no. And I'm definitely in the blue category. Yes. Um, I think, I think Armstrong was right to go out and get Krug when he realized that Petrangelo was going to hem and haul and take his time for a few days. He has a team to run. He had to, you know, move on with that. Now, you know, the, the, the other question here is, is could Armstrong have met Petrangelo's contract criteria um, setting aside, I guess, the beef that those two had with each other? Because it's been, you know, reported, you know, in multiple outlets that 
you know, not only did Armstrong not like uh, Petrangelo's agency group, apparently there's a little bit of friction between Armstrong and Petrangelo himself. You know, so, you know, was this hubris getting in the way? Now, for eight point, you know, so so that's one question. But then the other question is, okay, if you keep Petrangelo, you're paying him eight point eight million dollars. You can't move the guy, and he's going to have a signing bonus. Do you want that? I personally, if the Blues had re-signed Petrangelo for the contract he got in Vegas, I don't think I would have been as in favor of it. I think that's a lot of investment in a guy. Yes, he's a great defenseman. Don't get me wrong. But the Blues, I think, have enough depth on their roster to make up for his absence. I think moving Petrangelo gives Craig Berube a chance to be more creative with his pairings. You know, I think he's going to take a look and see how a Krug-Pareko pairing is going to look. I think he's going to take a look and see what maybe a Dunn-Pareko, you know, pairing would look like. And you're, you're, you're also asking your defensemen, like Justin Falk, for instance, okay, time to step up. You know, we saw the forwards step up when Tarasenko went down. Now you're saying, okay, you don't have that Petrangelo safety net in front of you. It's time for you to step up. So I'm okay with Armstrong not meeting Petro's contract criteria. What do you think? Yeah, I've I've fallen solidly into the yes side of things too. Um, You know, when he came out and was like, look, I'm not giving him a no movement clause, no trade clause, because I don't want one player holding an entire team hostage. Uh, it made a lot of sense, and as we were doing our heartbreaking moments uh, in the month of November, we saw the same thing with Brett Hall in a sense too. And it wasn't just you know Doug Armstrong that had that same feeling as well. There's other GMs that sit there and go, "I don't give out those clauses because I don't want them having control over a team." And you know, the more I've been thinking about it, and the more I'm looking at it, and, and the number that he got is Alex Petrangelo a Victor Hedman or a Shea Weber or a guy that is a superstar defenseman that completely 100% moves the needle from one side of the specter to the other. We go back and we look, yes, he's a great defenseman. He's a guy that gets the puck out of the zone, doesn't give up a whole lot of chances. He goes up against the best players in the, in the game and, and shuts them down. He is a good, effective offensive defenseman, but not a superb offensive defenseman. You know, he's a guy Mm -hmm. that, isn't really necessarily on the top power play unit. So, you know, when you start looking a little bit deeper, you have to take off those rose-colored glasses. Yes, he's the guy that helped lead this team to the first Stanley Cup in franchise history. Yes, he's been a guy that has been a leader and someone that you would want to have a beer with. And you know that he's a good family guy. But when you look at it, is he a superstar cornerstone defenseman? And... I don't know if he was worth that money and I, I would not have been opposed to them re-signing Petrangelo uh, at what they offered him, but what he got from Vegas and the fact that that's tax free and just so much, I'm glad I'm happy for him. Go get your money, son, you know, yeah. do what you need to do to, to, to provide for your family. But I'm looking at it. And if I'm a Vegas fan, I'm get I'm sitting there going, Man, man, man. If he does not bring us a Stanley Cup or two in the next four or five years, they're going to look back and go, that was a mistake of a contract. Yes, and they're going to find that uh, Alex Petrangelo and Brent Seabrook sound closer alike than they think, you know, in in that regard. Um, So basically, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is, 
is maybe Alex Petrangelo is like the Brendan Shanahan of defensemen. Could you know, be. another callback to our top five list where we kind of talked about that. And, you know, Shanahan, great player, very solid player, not a Hall of Famer. And kid, and that's, that's another question we're going to have to ask at some point. Is Alex Petrangelo a Hall of Famer? And using the I mean, if Geek Carbonell can get in, I mean, probably. I mean, probably. But I mean, it's it's. I don't think he's not a slam not, dunk. Not a slam dunk. Not a slam dunk. And I think, I mean, he's not a bad player. I like Petrangelo during his time in St. Louis. Is he a little overrated? Maybe. Maybe that's basically where I stand. Maybe leaning yes on that. I mean, it's we. He and I'm not a. The Blues fans have loved to hate on Petrangelo over the years. They were very, um, it took Blues fans a long time to warm up to him as a captain, you know, of a team. I remember when Jamie Benn sat on his head, you know, in, in Dallas in a couple of years ago, and, you know, Petro didn't fight back or do anything. You know, that was a criticism that, you know, Blues fans had towards him. I mean, Petro's not an aggressive guy, so that's not his game. Um, but it was just kind of like a bad look. You know, but I think Petro eventually evolved into a good captain. Um, it's just greatness and Petrangelo. I don't know if those words belong together in the same sentence, but that's just me. The, the real question comes down to it is when his career is all said and done, does his number get put into the rafters here? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was a captain. He was here for a long sustained run of success He's the first captain in team history to raise the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think he does. I, mean, it's, I think it's he be- does. I think, I mean, it'll be, it, it might be a bit divisive when the time comes, especially because, I mean, you're talking about at least seven or eight years until it actually happens, probably longer. Um, so you're going to be like a whole, almost a whole generation of fans, you know, removed from when he lifted the cup. But, History is history. We still remember Bobby Orr flying through the air whenever, you know, the Bruins beat the Blues in the Stanley Cup is, you know, unfortunately, I just reminded Guy Bensing of that. He was actually around when that happened, um, you know, but we remember that and it's been 50 years. So I, I would say Petrangelo probably still gets his number retired. I think he he did play a big role on a Stanley Cup winning team and he helped make history. So I would say, I would say, yeah, I, I think he gets his number uh, raised. It's just, it might take a while because Pronger's number still isn't up there yet. I mean, it was going to happen before this pandemic crap happened. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next question. Would the Blues have been better off keeping Petrangelo or promoting Colton Pareko and signing Tory Krug? So the options here are, it's either A, keep Petrangelo and keep Pareko as a second pairing defenseman or let Petro walk and have Pareko ascend and sign Tory Krug. 68% said uh chose Pareko and Krug. 32% felt it was better if the Blues had just had just kept Petrangelo. It kind of goes back to the argument that I made a couple answers ago and that is I think with Petrangelo gone it gives other players a, t- a chance to step up. I think Pareko needs to step it up really and I Make that point in the uh, last word on the hockey article I did this weekend. Um, it's time for Pareko to step up, be more consistent, and uh, start you know start putting some points on the board. I mean, you know he he's got a big slap shot. He needs to use it more. You know, and, and he just it, it's it's just it's I think Petrangelo leaving will be a wake up call for a lot of defensemen on this team. 
Well, and we've seen with Pareko uh, a slow and steady progression of improvements. And I think that's the argument that you can make against a guy like Vince Dunn in a sense, because both those guys pretty much came in around the same time. And every year it seemed with Pareko, there was a piece of his game where people questioned it and they go, okay, he can't do this. He needs to do this better. And then the next year, that's the thing that he works on and improves. And then something else pops up. Well, then the next year he works on that and it improves. You know, it went from skating to defensive play to shooting, to shooting more, to shooting on nets. So Pareko is a guy that you've seen has really worked to hone his craft over the last few years to become a better defenseman. Whereas Vince Dunn, you haven't seen that sort of progression. He's still a guy that's shooting pucks into players' shin guards when he's the last man back. (laughs) Uh, But that's a whole different story. So, yeah, I think it does put pressure on not just Pareko, but other guys. And I think a a guy like Pareko is somebody that can step up and will step up into that number one role. Um, I honestly thought last year that, you know, Petro and Pareko should have been the top pairing unit um, because you should have been preparing for life after Petro, even if you had the intention of resigning him anyway and giving Pareko those chances at the top, at least would have provided him some experience going into the season, regardless of if Petrangelo was here or not, he would have had that experience of being a number one defensive pair partner. Now we're going into the season. Yes. He's going to take that and run with it. I think he's going to do very well. And pairing him with Tori Krug is going to be a very, very good situation for him as well. But not having that experience might hurt him slightly, but I still think in the long run, Pareko Krug will be better than paying Petrangelo what he was going to get paid here in St. Louis. So that's the way I look at it. All right. We've kind of got, we finally got to the point of the survey where we get to one Justin Falk, our current favorite whipping post as blues fans. Will Justin Falk perform better in a top four role with more defined duties? 78% 78% say yes, 22% say no. Now, I'll say right off the bat here, Wags, it does sound like that uh, we know what JR feels like with this question. He's kind of leading you almost into that yes answer, I feel, with that question. And I and, it, and it's not necessarily wrong because, you know, we saw uh, it felt Craig Berube didn't know what to do with Justin Falk at times. He bounced around in pairings. He played in his offhand, which, you know, he didn't do well at. And he was never a top four guy. And that's, you know, something that, I mean, he, it just, it just didn't work. It just flat out didn't work. That's the long story short of it. Now he's coming in with a clearly defined role. He'll get power play minutes. He will be on the second pairing. Uh, probably it's either going to be Krug or Scandella. Probably. I think if you put done with him, that's a frightening proposition for any blues goaltender that's in that. Um, but it, but the, it seems like now he's secure, at least for this season. And we're going to get a chance to see in 56 games where a more defined role for Justin Falk will show us who the real Justin Falk is, if he is that player in Carolina that was, that was very effective, or whether he is what analyt- analytics say, and that is he is a dying star of a player and uh, overrated, and that contract's going to be an absolute nightmare, and you better find a way to get him on Seattle. You know, that's the, it, there's a lot of questions with Justin Falk and few answers at this point. Well, and you also have to look at the fact that he came into a team that already had an established leader on the defensive side who was already the captain. Falk yep. was coming over. He was an established leader 
in Carolina. So fitting into that situation as well is definitely difficult. You're moving from one conference to the other, something a little bit more physical, a little bit different as far as gameplay and style is concerned. Uh, And you're moving into a team that is a little bit more physical. Uh, And yes, you talk about Petrangelo not being a very physical defenseman, but he knew when to lay hits. He knew when to be a little bit rougher when he needed to be. And Falk was coming over and not used to that. Uh, And as you saw and said in the bubble, we saw some of his best defensive play and some of his best play overall in that bubble, because I think he finally was able to come to terms with what he was doing. And to your point, he was put into a defined role at that point. Uh, So yeah, I'm expecting Falk to perform better. And and what you don't see in the, on the graphic there is, you know, it's 1204 responses, Uh, 800 of those are Justin Falk descendants. Uh, So that's why 78% uh, yes, in, in that sense, he, they interviewed 800 of Falk's closest friends and family for uh, <laughs> for that uh, question alone. Wow, uh, he has. Uh, you know, I I don't know if I would want 800 friends because <laughs> that 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 seems like a lot of people to keep happy. That's a lot too of birth- birthdays to remember. Way too many to uh, Christmas. Forget about. It. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you just declare bankruptcy every year just buying gifts for everyone. I mean, that's just no. I I can't have 800 friends. Forget about that. Moving on, moving on. Jordan Biddington will be entering the final season of his two-year $8.8 million contract. How do you view his future? At this point, 78% say he'll be adequate to above average and likely re-signed. Uh, 19% still think he's the franchise and will be resigned. And then your Blues crazies come out here, 3.1% saying that he's a flash in the pan and will not be resigned. Now, I don't think there's anything in Bennington's game this past season that suggests that like he's a flash in the pan. He's still a good goalie, guys. He's fine. Okay. I mean, he he yes, he has his moments, but so does any other goalie in the league. I mean, look at Bobrovsky in Florida. I mean, the guy was probably the best goalie in the NHL the last few years, and then he goes to Florida and he just becomes average. You know, goalies are voodoo, you know, and and you have to worry about that. But I still believe in Bennington. I think. Maybe maybe not a Tuka Rask or a Bobrovsky or a Carey Price type of a goaltender, but a guy that I think will still be above average in this league. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, I liken it to uh, what Samuel Jackson said in The Phantom Menace. It's a little too old to be trained. He will not be <laughs> a Jedi. So he's going to be adequate enough, but he will not be a Jedi. Take a take a drink if you were waiting for the Wag Star Wars reference this episode. <laughs> well, well played. You know, I, like you said, he he's won a Stanley Cup. He's shown that he can go on a run. And like you said, last year he didn't show that he was a flash in the pan. He showed that he has a very solid goaltender. He can play in this league, but. I think he's also along the same lines as a guy like Jake Allen, where he kind of maybe needs a little bit of a push and a little bit of competition to bring out the best in him. And with Billy Huso, not really sure if you're going to get that because, oh, wait a second, didn't Huso and Bennington play on the same team in the minors and Bennington ended up not making it so far? Ooh. So who's to say that Huso is going to push Bennington to be the best that he can here in St. Louis? It's a very interesting proposition, and we're going to see if that plays out. Yeah, it, that's going to be a good storyline to follow this season. In addition, I think Justin Falk's the number one story for me this season, just seeing what he does. Uh, but Bennington, whether he's for real or not, is going to be the number two story for me this season, for sure. Um, now, let's ask it again. Number three uh, this, story. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now that Vladimir Tarasenko has had three shoulder surgeries, how confident are you that he'll ever be the same player again? 
and we've got to take before we get to our answers, which we will uh, we will definitely get into here in just a little bit. Uh, this is the subject of uh, guys Aloha commentary today. He's also got a couple other things he needs to announce before uh, he gets going here. But let's go ahead and uh, play this week's Aloha commentary from Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. Take it away. podcast i'm guy the hawaii blues fan host of the blue note fan report and a blog writer for gateway city sports and this is my aloha commentary well before i get into that i first need to go to a sad moment i have to send out my condolences to uh, doug armstrong and his family on the passing of his father hall of famer uh, neil armstrong he was a referee and inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Doug, our hearts go out to you um, with your family in this time. Your dad lived a long, full life. Uh, please celebrate his life for us as we celebrate you. And with that, on a happier note, I have to say a really big aloha and happy birthday to Tom Calhoun, our uh, what I think should be Hall of Fame announcer, um, PA announcer, and a great friend, Tom. Happy, happy birthday, my friend. And in the um, in Hawaii, they go, happy birthday to you. Woo, happy birthday to you. Woo, happy birthday, dear Tom. Woo, happy birthday to you. Woo, happy birthday, Tom. Now, for my Aloha commentary. Jeremy Rutherford of The uh, Athletic put out his Fan Survey 2.0. Guys are going to go over this, and there's two parts of this that I kind of think are, are interesting. Um, the first part is about Tarasenko, and uh, do you, how confident are you that he's going to come back after this third soldier surgery? Well, this is kind of a, for me, I look at this a little differently. It's not how well he comes back because, you know, you have one surgery, you go down a little bit. He's had three on the same shoulder. Now, he's rehabbing it and doing all those things that he needs to do. But he needs to, at this point in his career, learn what Brett Hull learned towards the end of his career. And that's how to pass the puck and make others better. But to me, the most underrated part of Tarasenko's game is his vision. I recently watched the uh, Winter Classic, which was on NHL Network, and both of the goals he scored were because of his vision. Uh, the goal that he, first goal he scores, bounces off of a Blackhawks player. If you look, he looks behind him and back passes that right through the lane knowing that that player's there. He's hoping to hit the player. Whether or not he's hoping to hit a goal, but he's hoping to get a loose puck in front. That's, that's just really good vision. And then his second goal is while he's streaking down the left-hand side. And in doing that, he sees how Crawford set up and takes a shot towards the upper right-hand corner. 
this is, that's vision. That's vision. That's seeing the play. Then in game seven of the finals, the goal was Shen. The goal that really cemented the win was him looking back at the play, knowing he was out of it, and getting the puck to Shin on his stick in an area where he could bury a one-timer. If he learns to continue to use that vision and make the players around him better, you'll see his assists go up and you'll see the Blues score more goals. He may not score more goals, but the Blues will. If he's got his shoulder back and he can add that to his arsenal, he will be a Hart Trophy candidate in my eyes. The second part of this, uh, the guys kind of asked me, did I think that Cairo or Thomas had to step up? Or should the Blues go after a free agent like Hoffman or Gunderland? You know, the more I thought about this, to me, this isn't an either or, it's an and. Both Thomas and Cairo. Robert Thomas is on the verge of being a superstar. Make it, buddy. Take that step and get in there. Cairo, same thing. He's got to take this opportunity and run with it. Everyone sees his talent, use it. There's also Vince Dunn. Dunn needs to step up. Dunn can be that defenseman. But at the same time, with all that being said, why not add a free agent if you can on top of it? I really like Hoffman. I know there's people out there who, who think he's a cancer, but you know what? This is a very, very veteran locker room. I don't think that that's going to play here. And not only that, let's say he comes here and he is a little bit of a cancer. He's trade bait. He is trade bait for draft picks. Take them. Take them, take them, take them. Get those picks. Let's rebuild our farm. Our farm needs some building. Um, go out and check out Jeremy Rolick's, or not Jeremy Rutherford's uh, article on The Athletic. Yes, I know it's a subscription site. I think it's worth it. Um, and vote on what he's got out there. Guys, enjoy talking about this. Now, I want to say one thing. I had hoped to do a little bit different for Aloha Commentary today, but with my daughter being in town, made it a little difficult and uh, had some technical difficulties. So I want to say this, be on the lookout very soon for my friend, the Roving Reporter. So this is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue No Fan Report, a blog writer for Gateway City Sports, and your Aloha commentary on the Blue Notes podcast saying, Aloha, Mahalo, Tom and Wags, talk away because I'm bleeding blue with you big thanks to guy for that uh, as we get back on here there we go professional broadcasters there we go it's a it's a beautiful palm tree though you know oh, it, is. A, it makes me think of uh being on the beach that i've been to once in the last 10 years yeah yeah, imagine going to the beach, you know, I mean, you know, be, before the COVID days, before the dark times, before the Clone Wars. Before the Emperor took over. Yes, I know, before the Empire. <laughs> See, I can't do Star Wars quotes just off the cuff like you do. 
I, I can't. Uh, you know, it's 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 a lifelong obsession, um, <laughs> and you know, it, it's for for you, it's hockey jerseys. For me, it's it's Star Wars. You know, you say you've got over a hundred hockey jerseys. I have over almost one hundred and fifty Star Wars books. So yeah, I'm I'm just as bad as you. 150 Star Wars. Today I learned there's 150 Star Wars books even made. Oh, there's more. There's many, many oh, more. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll try to track all them down. Um, For the most part. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. I've gone a little bit uh, more digital in my mm. uh, in my book reading. Now, I, I, I love holding and reading a good book. Same. I, that, for me, that is the joy of reading is that, but I, I have gone a little bit more digital, at least as far as my star Wars ones are concerned, because for the most part, there's, there's it's not like a collectible kind of thing. It's, it's more mm-hmm. so when I'm getting into the, you know, into the history books, the autobiographies, uh, the, the war novels, things like that. That's, yeah. those are the ones that I really gravitate to actually being able to hold in my hands. Like I've got a big, uh, Cherno autobiography on Washington and it's, I mean, it's about that thick. And I want to, I want to hold that and hold that heft because that's history in my hands, in, in a sense. Whereas, you know, Star Wars is history; it's great, but holding that heft is is not so much what it is holding American history in your hands. So that's that's kind of where I I differ as far as digital versus you know physical books. Now you know how I feel with with hockey jerseys. You know, just having the feel. You know, having them. You know, with you. I mean, they're like works of art. And you know, just like you, I won't obviously collect every hockey jersey or every every team out there. I mean, I guess that's that was wrong for me to assume that for you, and uh, it's wrong to assume that for a hockey fan, especially one that will never ever own the Blues reverse retro jersey oh. ever in his life. So um, you know, somebody, someone's going to gift it to you, and you're going to display it proudly. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm just going to leave that out there. Mm, mm, let's get back to the survey. <laughs> let's get back to the survey, Wags. Um, hmm. Okay. With Tarasenko's immediate availability and long-term future uncertain, do the Blues still need to add a top six forward? Now, as the Blue, as 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 a guy just pointed out in his Aloha commentary, I mean, he had a good point there with with Tarasenko's vision. I mean, you know, there's there's few players in in the NHL that have Tarasenko's vision. That's why his goal totals are even and assist totals are evenly split, two fourteen apiece, two hundred fourteen goals, two hundred fourteen assists. He's not just a shooter, um, but you know, with, without Tarasenko, yes, you do lose a fair bit on your offense. So you know, do the Blues go out and sign a Mike Hoffman as 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 guy advocates? Well, this is an area where Blues fans, as you can see, are split on. Yes, they don't have enough skill. Uh, 52% say that. 48% say no. See if current players and prospects can grow into the role. I am definitely in the red category. I think you give this is time for Jordan Cairo to put up or shut up, basically. I mean, it's time for him to grow and involve into a bona fide NHL player. Clint Claston's clock is ticking on on that a little bit as well. I mean, he's still got a little bit of time. But if you sign a Mike Hoffman, you're just basically saying, Clem, enjoy the AHL for yet another year. Kairou, enjoy being on the fourth line. You know, Jordan Kairou is not a fourth line player. Let's just let's just let's just face it. He needs to be at least third line uh, this season with Bozak. We saw we saw a little bit of what what Bozak can do for Robert Thomas. You know, being you know Thomas playing to Bozak's right all the time. You know, having being a steady veteran leader you know bozak 
and you know got high marks as a leader and a good teammate in Toronto. And I say you give Cairo a year with Bozak, and I think that might be what Cairo needs. So I'm I'm not on the sign of Mike Hoffman or Mikhail uh, Backlund type, or I think it's Granlin that's still out there actually. Um, I'm not I'm I'm not on that boat. I I think it's time to give some of the youngsters a shot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, this team still has Ryan O'Reilly, right? Yeah, they still got Braden Shen. Yep. Uh, still have David Perron. Uh, still have Jaden Schwartz for at least a year. Yeah. Uh, still have Robert Thomas. Oh, yes. Uh, still have take, Tyler take Bozak. Bozak for another yeah, year. They, so they've, they've got all, they still got Oscar Sundquist. Yeah. Um, didn't this team without Tarasenko, weren't they first place in the NHL or at least the Western conference? Wasn't the power play the best it's ever been? Um, weren't they scoring at a pretty decent clip, uh, without Vladimir Tarasenko in the lineup? Yeah. So granted, yes, there may have been some, you know, buzz of coming off of a Stanley Cup victory that kind of boosted their play a little bit. But this is a team that was first place in the West when COVID hit. So why would you go out there and add a top six for it? Now, granted, if, if, if something falls into your lap, I wouldn't necessarily say no, but to actively seek out a top six forward, I don't think that's something that they need to do. And, and to your point, I really think that you have to give a Cairo and a, and a Clem Costin a shot. You have to move Robert Thomas a little bit up into the lineup as well to, to continue to see if he can grow and progress. I think this is the opportune time for that because it is going to be a shorter season. So you're not yep. sitting there saying, oh, we're going to give these guys 82 games. No, you're going to give them a shortened 56-game season if that's the ends up what is the season going forward. It's not like you're... You're not losing a whole season to it. Yes, it's still a season and you're still fighting for a championship, but this is a team that proved without Vladimir Tarasenko that they could be a top team. So I, I think you go with what you've got. Uh, you see what you have in some of these younger players and you've got money coming off the books next year. If, if you don't like what you see, then go out there and sign a big time forward at that point. You've yeah. got the ability to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm with you on that. So uh, there's still a, a lot of questions left to be done here. We're going to hold on to them for, you know, either uh, Thursday's episode or or uh, next uh, Sunday, Monday's episode. But I do want to get to one more question here. And that is, oh, not that one, not that one. Here we go. This one. Do you like the Blues new Adidas retro reverse jersey? 58.5% intelligent, smart Blues fans say no they don't like it uh 24 percent of the looney tune blues fans say yes they like it and 18 percent say they are indifferent i don't know how you can be indifferent to this jersey because it's 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 like emo's pizza and provel cheese you either love it or you hate it i just want to point something out I yes sir point something out mm -hmm. uh, what's the majority color of this pie chart red huh I think I think Jr. So do you think do you think people are enjoying a majority red pie chart? I I think I think I think Jr. has a sense of irony. <laughs> you know, I mean, you would, know, when, you have, would you have voted no if you would have known that red would have been the majority? <laughs> I'm sorry, I I see philosophy there. Um, Oh man, what a shame! What a shame! We got to end our our podcast episode on this note. No, I was still voted no. Wax, come on, come on. I just, you know, like you said, I think Jr. does have a bit of a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> but come on, 
the fact that no is red and it's the majority, it, it just goes hey. to the point that red looks good. It's a good reverse retro, okay? The retro jersey, hey. what they go with is the 90s clown jersey. It's the reverse of it. It's not a strong argument, I know, but it he, still fits the title. You know who else loves red? The Sith. And, yes, only, and only a Sith deals in absolutes. Oh, see, you thought you weren't that good at it. That's a good one. See, pull that, yeah, pull, pull that out of the hat. How about that? You, you know what, um, though? Sith are my specialty. Hmm. All right, Obi-Wan. <laughs> All right, Obi-Wan. Um, man, everyone, every, you know, I, I feel like I'm the only person that's not watching The Mandalorian right now. Oh my God! Every everyone, it's so hard it, not to spoil things for you. It's I I know you've been struggling. You've been struggling. Is the season? I, I'm waiting for the entire season to be done. There's so two then more I can go back. Two more, two more. Episodes. So I I have two more weeks of suffering. Yes, but I'll tell you what. When you sit down and watch that entire season in one day, uh, you better prepare yourself. You okay. better have you better have blankets and towels and water and Gatorade and everything you can think of to prepare yourself because you're going to lose control of bodily functions. You're going to become delusional. Uh, you're going to make the people around you think that you are suffering from some sort of uh, event because the amount of just amazing callbacks, Easter eggs, appearances, name drops. Uh, it, it's just Everything from the 90s on, you're going to be like, I can't believe they have that in there. I can't believe that that's there. I can't believe this person is here. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that because there are so many unique and amazing callbacks that you're just going to you're going to lose your mind. So I'm going to need Gatorade. I'm going to need blankets. I'm going to lose bodily functions. Yes. Um, and people are going to think I'm crazy. And I still want to watch this. Oh, yes, you do. Because then you're going to get to the end of it. And the sense of satisf uh, satisfaction and gratification that you're going to have uh, is going to make you look back and go, all of it was worth it. Uh, you know what? That I, I'm I'm sold now. I'm so, <laughs> and I haven't even seen uh, the last two episodes. <laughs> no, you have not. No, you have not. You know, so so this could all change. I mean, maybe maybe the ending's like Dexter, you know, and and then you're just like, ah, don't don't watch the Mandalorian. Screw it. It sucks. I I have uh, no doubt that it is going to not be like Dexter. I think this is going to be uh, what what John Favreau and Dave Filoni uh, and, and and Carl Weathers and everybody that's been a part of this. Gina uh, Carano, Gina Carano, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, uh, I mean, just so many great things, and the fact that it seems like, you know, for all the vitriol that the 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 last prequel trilogy or the last trilogy got, it seems like Disney finally listened and goes, "Okay, this this story, you tell it however you want, and you tell it from the perspective of what the Star Wars fans want and what we're getting." If you haven't seen the things that Dave Filoni has done with Star Wars, whether that's Clone Wars or Rebels or, or things of that nature, uh, I implore you. Okay. Star Wars, Star Wars The Clone Wars will completely change your viewpoint on the Anakin Skywalker character in the prequel trilogy. Okay. Re Rebel, Rebels will make you go back and go, wow, 
I have a whole new appreciation for what Star Wars really is all about. These are the stories that should have been told uh, because it's not just one family that you're following uh, in, in the Skywalker line. Uh, and then you watch The Mandalorian and you go, this this is what I wanted the movies to be. Um, I, and I, that's coming from someone that has thoroughly enjoyed all my movies. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've loved them all. Rogue One, I like Solo. I like all of those. These three things that Dave Filoni has done has completely made fans of people that would not be Star Wars fans because they tell true gritty stories. It's it's almost like the the the, the Batman trilogy that Christopher Nolan did in a sense of grounding it in some realism and really making you feel emotionally connected to the characters and the storylines. That's what he's done with these three shows. So definitely better than the current trilogy or the most recent trilogy where I really by the time episode 9 came around I really did not care what happened. Uh, once again, you know, I, I say how the Clone Wars has kind of changed my perspective on the prequel trilogy and a lot of people's perception of the prequel trilogy. The Mandalorian has started to change the perception of the last trilogy as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And the Mandalorian is set in that time period, uh, it, right? It, it's five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. So in between Jedi and before Awakens. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So one thing that I guess we're being assured of is that eventually the Mandalorian will at least have some sort of tie-in to Force Awakens and then that whole universe, I guess. Yes, yes. Because I, I read that they're kind of going towards that route. Yeah, and, and like I said, there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of things already that make you understand a little bit more of the things that actually happened in the, in the last trilogy. No, nothing totally 100% confirmed, but you can see how the direction, the direction the show's going will eventually lead you to what happened in those three movies and how things came to be in those. And yeah, it, it may not change what you think of the trilogy, but at least you'll have more explanation. Uh, Cause I feel like in the, especially the last movie that the, the, ex, the, the lack of explanation of Palpatine's return, spoiler alert, sorry if you haven't seen it, uh, <laughs> the, the lack of explanation kind of made it, it hurt the story. But I think what the Mandalorian is doing and will do, will fill in all that backstory and make you go, you may not, but at least you'll understand how and why he came back. So there are three things here about wags that women you should know about here. If you want to date the man, number one, be a blues fan. Number two, do not be a Cubs fan. And number three, by the time, you know, you, you take your vows, you're going to know how to use the force. Because uh, Wags will have given you all the Jedi Knight instruction that you will ever, ever want in your life. Man, you, you, yeah, are, you, are, you, are, you are really like an encyclopedia. Seriously. You know, I, I, it's because I've been single for so long. And, <laughs> and I've done a lot of Star Wars watching and reading. <laughs> Wags, stop practicing. I like the reverse retro. <laughs> that's what that's what we need you like the reverse retro oh man oh man you're look, not a weak-minded individual you're no, not a weak-minded individual look look at what you've made me done wags you 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 mm, man I, I think this is a good time to check out here that's uh yes this is season two episode two of blue notes that was wags uh jedi knight I'm Tom Franklin, and I want to thank you for listening, because without you, there is no me, uh, there is no Wags, there is no guy, there is no Hockey Podcast Network, and there is no Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a chump, and always play to the whistle. Jerry Boyer, play us out.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.